Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. My name's Erin and I'm a hypnobirthing and antenatal instructor, birth activist and all-round birth geek. In this podcast, I chat to experts in the field of pregnancy and birth, debunking myths around birth, diving into the research around maternity care and exploring what is it that means you're more likely to have a positive birthing experience. If you enjoy this podcast, do feel free to buy me a coffee and fund my caffeine habit. Link to my buy me a coffee page is in the podcast info. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. Um, today I am speaking to Samantha Gadsden, um, who is a doula, um, and she runs some fantastic home birth and free birth groups on Facebook. And we're going to be talking about home birth and free birth today. Welcome, Samantha. Hi, Erin. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good. Um, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and just talk about who you are and what you do and then we can dive into home birth and free birth? Hi everyone, um, so I'm Samantha Gadsden, I'm a doula, birth activist, I run the Home Birth Support Group UK, Village, which is sort of a life support parenting support group, and the Free Birth and Emergency Childbirth Support Group UK, and a whole series of other smaller related groups. I have my own doing groups for people and only for my group members and various things like that um and I do loads of other stuff sometimes I, I don't remember what I do anymore because I do loads I've got my own little shop online where you can buy crystals and birth lines and things like that oh yeah I saw your stuff oh. amazing and the cult of informed consent merchandise amazing I'll put all the links of those on the in the description so that anybody who wants to go and have a look they can go and have a look at your merch because it is cool <laughs> I imagine over the past two years, you've probably had an influx of people wanting to join your home birth and free birth groups because of COVID. How have you find how, how have you found the past couple of years and how has it changed in terms of the level of support that you're providing people? They have exploded in terms of number of members and also the amount of support and what I call a different type of home birther. So when I, I've always run big home birth groups, before I set this one up, I ran a different one um, and then I decided to set up my own. So at the start of COVID, this had about two and a half thousand members. Previous to that, my group had about seven um, and now we're at about 10,000 members. We had between four, five, 600 people a month, depending on any given month. And what we had before was everybody who wanted a home birth wanted to home birth they were coming to a home birth group because home birth was their choice because they actively wanted that whereas now we're seeing more people who are joining a home birth group because hospital is a scary place because of the risk of infection because of what people are hearing about the shortage of midwives now it's not so much that they want to home birth as they don't want to birth in hospital and that changes the type of support that people need because they're slightly more anxious and slightly more worried they need a bit more support as well as the fact that we have your traditional home birthers and your traditional free birthers in group as well. Um, and all of those people are equally valid and equally important to me because whatever your reasons for choosing a home birth are, then you need, you need to be supported in the right way. But it has exploded my work online, which in the home birth group is free. <laughs> so 
such a valuable resource I think particularly now I think because for the reasons that you said and I think we can I think maybe we can come back to the kind of Covid topic um a little bit later on because I feel like otherwise we'll just talk about Covid and how it's impacted birth choices but one of the things that I did want to kind of chat to you about was maybe some of the the common questions and misconceptions that you find in your home birth group from like questions that people ask like what's the what's the, the most what's your top kind of question that you get in in your home birth group um the top one is I'm not allowed to have a home birth for whatever reason it can be any reason at all but it is I'm not allowed to have a home birth because I'm a first time mum. I'm not allowed to have a home birth because I'm an eighth time mum. I'm not allowed to have a home birth because I'm fat and enormous. I'm not allowed to have, a, not that I think anyone's fat and enormous. I'm not allowed to have a home birth because I'm too skinny. I'm not allowed to have a home birth because my baby's too big, too small, too pink, too orange, too purple, too blue. It's just constant. I'm not allowed. And then the other biggest two questions are, I'm not allowed to have a home birth because I'm a first time mum. That is one of the biggest ones and I'm not allowed to have a home birth because I'm a, a large family, which for some obscure reason seems to vary from four to anything between four and ten, depending on which trust you're in. It's crazy. Yeah, that is, totally. yeah. It's just, and I work nationally into Northern Ireland, Ireland, and I have some international members as well, but not many. Um, and it's the same everywhere, you know, Wales, Ireland, UK, Scotland, England, Northern Ireland. It's the same coercive bollocks mm. everywhere. There's nowhere that's this that's exempt from it. Not yeah. really. There are pockets of excellence. The Liverpool home birth team, the Angus home birth team are really good. Um, but in the main, and I've seen it get worse and worse. So in the what six or seven years I've been running home birth groups, I'm just seeing more and more coercion all the time. Yeah. It's and it's we were saying before we started recording, weren't we, that it's coercion comes in lots of shapes and forms and it's not always that kind of um infantilizing um uh, or argumentative coercion it can quite often be that very um subtle coercion with a smile that does happen that I think catches people out quite a lot they don't realize until they walk away from that meeting and think hold on a minute what just happened there it's coercion with kindness. It's, 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 I recommended a blog by the by Maddie McMahon, Coercion with Kindness. Uh, and to me, if the if your healthcare professional isn't giving you individualized statistical risk and is just using emotive language, oh, your baby's four times more likely to die. But what does four times more likely to die mean? Does it mean 40%, 50%? Like it kind of comes across that way. Or does it mean 0.25 from 0.075? Unless they are giving you the information that you need to make a decision, it's coercion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is as simple as that. It doesn't matter how nicely it's done. It doesn't matter if it's done with a smile. You know, if they say to you, you have a four times increased likelihood of your baby dying, that means there is a 0.25% chance of a stillbirth in this particular situation adjusted to your individual situ- personal situation, then that's not coercive. Mm-hmm. But anything other than that is and I don't know any woman who goes to an appointment is given the information that she needs or, or birthing parent. No, even if they ask for it, I've had lots of clients that asked us for the statistics and they, and they've been told, go and have a look on the Royal College of uh, Obstetricians and Gynecologists or go and Google it because they don't. Yeah, because they don't know. That's why, because they don't know. I went to a, an appointment pre this 
with somebody. I happened to be in the hospital at the same time, so I met them. And we were being booked in by a maternity care assistant. And suddenly somebody comes running over and goes, oh, no, 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 no. She doesn't fit the criteria for the MLU. You, you can't do that. She can't do that. Um, so obviously there was that disappointment. And then there was kind of, oh, um, could you tell us the risk? Now, we already knew the risk because we'd read the Sarah Wickham book, right? But we knew. And the midwife says, oh, no, 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 that's not my role. That's the senior midwife's role. So I look at the midwife and I say, well, can you bring the senior midwife then? So along comes the band eight midwife, risk, 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 risk. And I say, well, you know, could you give them the actual statistical risk and the evidence for that, please? Oh, no, 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 no. No, that's not my role. That's the consultant midwife's role. So we go to the consultant midwife and it's kind of, no, no, that's not my role. That's the consultant's midwife. So we get to the consultant finally, and we ask the consultant in the appointment three times for the statistical risk and the evidence-based paper behind it. And three times the consultant asked us, and we're literally just about to shuffle out of the office. And the consultant says, has anybody got any more questions? And I try not to speak for my clients. So I'm waiting for them to ask. And by now they've asked so many times they've forgotten, they still haven't got it. And in the end I say, can they have the evidence-based paper and the statistical risk? And you can almost see the consultant shrinking into their chair because the risk is that 0.25 and the evidence suggests supports that, but they didn't want to give it to them. You know, and so by now we've had this risk, midwife, senior midwife, consultant midwife, consultant, each one of them hammering home those risks. And it's just because we care about you, but it's not because actually what could have happened is when they realized they didn't want to book in and they needed us to see a consultant, they could have sent us straight to the consultant and taken up that whole and how much NHS resource is wasted with this repetition of appointment and appointment and appointment and risk and risk and risk. When if it's documented that she knows, why does she need to know again and again and again and again? Mm. It's the thing, isn't it? And you're not making truly an informed, educated decision once somebody has beat you over the head with the dead baby card over and over again. You're making a decision based on fear then. You're not making a, a decision based on fact. Um, no. And I know we said that we would leave out the COVID thing, but one of the things I talk to people about, about the risks of home birth, okay, most car accidents happen within a mile of our house. So when you're looking at the risk of home birth versus hospital, are you taking into account the risk of them having an accident on the way to hospital? Are you taking into account the risks of hospital acquired infection, any infection? Are you factoring those in or are you just going for this versus this mm -hmm. yeah um because the risk of going to hospital isn't just the birth isn't just being there so all the environment you know and we make those risk choices every single day every day you know i was talking about this we don't all live in bungalows one of the biggest causes of house accidents is falling down the stairs we haven't decided to drop our houses all down to the ground level we haven't decided to not go out you know we we send our children to school where they've got the highest risk of casket. Any any illness is more likely to be caught in school. There's, there's transmittable. So every day we balance risk in life, but suddenly when we become pregnant, we're seen as vessels, mm -hmm. you know, and, and actually talked down to and dismissed. And what I see and what I witness with my own eyes when I go to appointments is women who do know their choices and who do know their risks and are informed being beaten over their head threatened with social they don't get threatened with social services in front of me um threatened with social services and literally it's almost as if the more they know the bigger the stick to beat them becomes yeah 
And I'm sorry if that's unpleasant for healthcare professionals to listen to, um, but that is my observation from supporting in person and online now thousands of families a year. I don't read one or two stories or, or even a few hundred stories. I read thousands of birth stories every single year. And that is the common theme in all of them in my groups. And yes, these women are exceptional because they know their rights, but it's not saving them from this sort of figurative emotional battering of a dead baby card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you, you have an, another um, Instagram account as well, don't you, where you post some of some of these stories which <clears throat> I, f- I followed when I went when I ventured into birth work I followed it quite early eye-opener for me um understanding the some of the shocking things that people do get told um is yeah they said to me they said to me so how they said to me was birthed was I keep seeing these stories of coercion and I keep hearing these stories of coercion I keep they, they come and they come and particularly in my groups you know and, and people say the most outrageous of things in the most casual of, of manner. And what I wanted and what I kept hearing and why they said to me came was, oh, it's a one-off. Oh, it's the exception. Oh, you know, we're not all like that. Well, no, I know you're not all like that because I'm not stupid, right? I don't think all anybody is like anything, but too many are. And, I, and they were building up inside me. So they were creating a layer of bystander trauma from reading all of this. And what I find in, in my life is if I can express myself, I can shed the trauma. And I didn't have anywhere to put it because we were locked down. And I decided to create this They Said To Me page, which has exploded and which we've just got a grant for. Thank you, Better Beginnings, we have a grant. Um, and I sort of created the page just to put because what I wanted people to see is how the microaggressions the small unkindness haunts women for the rest of their life so there's one woman one particular one there's so many of them that stands in my mind where she was a young mum and the midwife casually said oh you know if you can't look after that baby we'll bring in social services for no reason she just said it to her Um, and then for the next two children that she had as well she lived their whole childhood in fear of those children being taken off her because of that one thing that was said to her in a really vulnerable moment. And they said to me is to get that across. Microaggressions make a massive difference. Mm. They do, they, you're, they, how you're spoken to and the things that are said to you when you were in that vulnerable state really do stick with you. They, I mean, like yeah. I, I know from, from firsthand experience, I've had things said to me when I was pregnant and you know early stages of labor. And I've not forgotten that experience. Um, and I and I and I've advocated for myself. I walked out of the hospital. I didn't. I didn't want my induction. I, I said I've made an informed decision. I don't want to be induced, and I'm leaving. But that 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 experience still sticks in my mind. It doesn't. It doesn't. I do a lot of birth trauma support, and I always look for the small unkindness because there's. When somebody feels that their birth was traumatic, it's not the physical. I've been to births that on paper would be traumatic and I haven't been because they've been respectful and kind. Um, and it's that kind of, you know, I had a story and she didn't understand why she didn't feel good. And when I read it, I got, I read the story and the midwife didn't want to be there. And she made it perfectly clear that she didn't want to be there. So although she had the, on the surface, the lovely birth that you would want to have, it was with somebody who was making her feel uncomfortable all the way through a birth. And those things make a difference, you know, and home birth is so important. You know, we know that 
that home birth reduces risk, it reduces instrumental delivery, it reduces cesarean, it reduces the need for pain relief. You know, there was the latest report that said that people who plan for a home birth have less interventions wherever they end up birthing, and yet it's dismissed. It was the first thing to go. I have a former client who's in Holland, and in Holland, for example, they have posters in their maternity units that say, if we need the beds, your hospital birth may be cancelled. Oh, that just blows my mind. It's like <laughs> the other way around, yeah. you know, and yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, do you know what? You can just come in, just come in and it doesn't matter because it's not about you. It's just about a healthy baby. But actually your baby is quite often more likely to be born. If you're, if you're a low risk, and I use that term very loosely, woman, having your baby, your baby's more likely to be okay at home. To be honest, it's certainly got less chance of NICU admission and any of the interventions that happen in hospital. So, and you know, and I, the other thing I'd like to see about home birth is the language changed. So this home birth, I've got a blog called home birth transfer is not a failure. You know, the idea that if you start at home and you end up in hospital, you somehow failed. Whereas if you start in hospital and you have a perfectly normal delivery, nobody goes to you, oh my God, you may as well have had that baby at home. You failed by coming in, you know, and this idea, you know, we, and, and what it does then as well is it makes women reluctant to seek support. Mm -hmm. So if you've planned a home birth and you have the perfect home birth, that's lovely. And if you have a, planned a home birth and then eventually you end up going in, then you end up going in and you've had support at home and then support in hospital. And that's replicated in my groups. We have all of the birth stories in my group. We have the home birth transfers, the change pathways before birth. We have got, you know, all of the stories because I very much have an ethos of every birth counts, mm -hmm. however and wherever it was born. Just because we're a home birth group, it doesn't mean we don't celebrate. And I don't want anybody to not seek support if they need support. I want them to know that within our group, if something changes, we're still there for them. It's really important. Yeah. yeah. So what, going back to, um... The, the not allowed point that we we started on right at the beginning um what what can what can somebody do if they're told they're not allowed they're not allowed to have a home birth what are their options they are allowed so i have a couple of techniques so i'm going to give you some of my my actual work paid techniques here i have a couple of techniques some people really want to advocate their birth rights okay so some people i support i teach them their birth rights and they go to their appointments they challenge they, they argue, they'll press their points. I am allowed, I am allowed in those appointments. Um, it's much harder when they're in the appointments alone because they're alone. Okay, so there's the first sort of type of woman who is very, I am having a home birth. And once they know their rights and I support them, I point them at the, the book, not am I allowed, what's the new one called? The upgraded version of am I allowed that Emma wrote. Um, then there's the second type of woman who I say, I call it the nod and smile technique nod smile and cancel mm -hmm. so if you're not a person who wants to get into conflict with your care providers you don't have to you can actually just agree to everything that they want leave the building and send an email to the consultant midwife that says i want a home birth i felt very coerced in my appointments so i agree to everything so that i can get out please put me back on a midwife-led pathway and cancel everything that was arranged in that appointment so if you're a non-confrontational kind of person that works much better for you yeah it's not about you don't have to put yourself in situations that you're uncomfortable in. Um, there's changing your midwife. So I quite often recommend that women change their midwife and their consultant. Um, and another one that I do, because I find senior consultants actually tend to be more on board with home birth because they're more confident in their knowledge um, and registrars, especially around September when we have the new intake 
um, can be very anti-home birth and not know what they're talking about, but not want to say so. So I'll quite often say, ask before you go into an appointment, actually ask who you're speaking to. So is it a registrar? Is it a consultant? Is it a senior consultant? And um, only say, well, I've got a consultant with the appointment, uh, an appointment with a consultant, you're not a consultant. Um, and only see the consultant is another one. Um, any appointment you go to where the person says, I have to go and ask my colleague, then you know they're not a consultant because consultants never go and ask their colleagues anything, right? They just, and that's how I can unpick quite often. I'll say, oh, that's not a consultant. People say, how do you know that? They say, well, they, don't, they think they're God. They don't go and ask anybody anything. Um, so there's lots of things that you can do depending on your personality. There's not one, and always, you know, consultant midwives, um, what are they called in England? PMAs? Mm -hmm patient maternity advocates I think they are more senior and to be honest arguing with your own midwife is pointless because she is literally following pro I mean you can and she should also not be telling you you're not allowed but it's much easier for you and her if you go and ask a senior a senior consultant midwife or PMA yeah. um, and you yeah. can come off consultant ed pathways they might want you on one it doesn't mean you have to agree you know there's this idea that they told me and, and you know infantizing of women I talk about this a lot in my group booking appointments for you and you don't know what they are mm -hmm. like, why are you going how old are you my daughter's going to have a tooth out under general anesthetic tomorrow she knows where she's going she understands why she made the informed choice we tried to take it out in the dentist and it didn't work mm -hmm. I just like take her there and go oh, do you know what we're just going you could find out when you get there yeah. I give my children yeah. more autonomy over their medical needs that medical staff give birth in women and it's wrong mm. you're not children you don't know what the appointment's for ring up and ask or send it back and say you've sent me an appointment I don't know why you wouldn't go to any other consultant appointment not knowing what it was about so yeah. loads of techniques yeah. to deal with am I allowed there's no one answer sorry Erin it's a long one <laughs> Oh, really good stuff it's funny isn't it because I think <clears throat> I think we have been conditioned as 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 women and, and pregnant people to to comply and to agree and to do what we're told whereas in every other aspect of our healthcare, we wouldn't think twice about questioning something you know if you if you had an infection and the GP wrote you a, a, a prescription for antibiotics no, no one feels compelled to fill out that prescription and go and take those pills. You make a choice and you decide whether you want, whether you think it's in your best interest to do that or not. Um, but when it comes to birth and being pregnant, we just blindly follow a lot of the time because we feel like that's what we have to do. You know, we don't realize that we can say no to things. And it's a really common question that I get on my Instagram a lot, you know, either in the comments or DMs. I've been told I have to do this. Do I have to? And I, I, I literally could give the same answer every single time. No, because there's another answer. The answer is no. <laughs> you don't have to. I'm not saying you should. You shouldn't do something, but I'm saying that you don't have to. You ask what it's for. You know, you do your research, and then you decide if you want to do it. Or not. You don't have to agree to anything if you don't want to. I don't have to do anything at all. And my other favourite is, oh, I think my waters have gone. You have to come in and be checked. Like, excuse my language, but what the fuck is that about? I'll tell you what it's about, if you ask me, reducing home birth rates. Because if you go into hospital when your waters have gone, you're not that likely to get home. 
because you're half as likely to go into into labor either on your way there or things are so likely to kick off while you are there especially if you're given a sneaky sweep <laughs> and um and you know and i and i think why you, you want a home birth right every other section of healthcare is trying to keep people out of hospital because of resource pressure and yet maternity services are finding more and more reasons you don't have to go in because you want that's another really common one my waters are broken i have to go in and no, you don't. Why, do you, why are you even thinking about it? Why are you even thinking about it? don't realise the risk of going in to be checked if their waters have gone either. No. Yeah, the infection. No, but they don't want to go in. They know they don't want to go in, but they just, you just, it's quite often I lend people, there's a book called The Burning Woman by Lucy H. Pierce. It's a very feminist pagan book. Yeah. And in it, it's got a chapter about being a good girl. And sometimes I lend people that and tell them to read the good girl chapter before we start doing birth work so that they understand the mindset change that they need to do yeah i'll have to look i'll have to look that book up and read it yes good book <laughs> it says in the beginning in the introduction there's a line that says it was the first time i realized i could be burned for my work and i thought yeah this is the book i need to be reading it was like before i got past the intro this is for me um it's funny we were talking about postcode lotteries earlier and I do find it shocking because, you know, that that I, I'm am I allowed? I'm not allowed to have a home birth um, point. <clears throat> I'm I'm classed as high risk when I have my son. My son's two and a half years old. I was technically a geriatric mother because I was 38 when I had him. Um, I'm Asian, which makes me high risk. Um, but my my both my daughters, his big sisters were both classed as more gestational age. I did, which I didn't know actually until, because no one ever mentioned it to me, either of my pregnancies, no one told me that they were small. It wasn't until I got my maternity notes from the hospital because I requested them. It was all over my notes, but no one ever, no one ever explained it to me. So I was, I would be like triple times high risk. Um, and I said that I wanted a home birth with him and the midwives were fantastic. They didn't question it. They were like, no, you perfect candidate for a home birth really supportive all the way through had my home birth no problems wasn't an issue at all and it just makes me it makes me so angry that I could have that experience despite ticking boxes of being high risk and somebody else who's a really good genuine candidate for home birth is dissuaded from having that that home birth that they they they, they deserve because they they tick a box um if if you are, if you go through all of those steps that you've just talked about, you know the, the different ways of of trying to uh, um, advocate for yourself if you want a home birth, and you still get that no, then what's what what options are you left with? Well, you're left with free birth. Well, firstly, you're left with really asserting your rights. So, directors of midwifery, head of midwifery, you know, and I always suggest if you're going to do it, do it in writing because. Mm -hmm it's much harder to coerce people in writing. And if they're saying things that are inappropriate, it is much harder to do that in writing. So you're much less likely, a head of midwifery is highly unlikely to write to you and tell you you're not allowed to have a home birth because they know they can't say it, you know? And the more seen, and obviously the higher you go, the less the staff have got to fear because some of this is from fear. It's midwives coming from a place of fear that they're gonna get into trouble. They're not 
I don't, it doesn't excuse it, but it does explain it. It's not done for maliciousness most of the time. And then your other option is to either keep arguing with them, tell them that you're home birthing no matter what they say, and then ring them up on the day and hope they come out, or to free birth, you know? And free birth is on the rise. Free birth is on the rise for so many reasons. And it's not because a bunch of irresponsible doulas like me are running around telling people to free birth. Um, it's because women want choice. And sometimes that is the only choice for them. It's the only way they're going to be listened to or respected or feel safe, you know, because some of these women are absolutely bloody terrified of the hospital. You know, news, newspapers at the moment are telling us to be terrified of the hospital. Cancer patients are dying because the hospital is such a bad place. We, you know, we can't bring people in. And yet we're telling women in their most vulnerable and most beautifully powerful time to go in. It's such a contradictory environment. So then it becomes a case of free birth, phone a paramedic, hope a midwife will come on the day. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And free birth is an informed choice. I've always supported free birth. I've been going to free birth ever since I was a doula. I think my second doula client was a free birthing client. But it should be an informed choice. It shouldn't be coming from this place that we're in now of women being basically forced into it as the only way to get choice. That breaks my heart. They still as important and still as valid in fact it's even braver if you like for them than free birth is because free birth is not brave to somebody who absolutely believes in the power of birth but to somebody who really would rather have a midwife with them it's cruel you know and that's why i created my own free birth course because my free birth course was a response to demand i didn't create the demand i literally had so many free birth inquiries that i couldn't answer them and um i wanted to be sure i had a safe well-researched group where if you know where we didn't we're not selling birth in my free birth course as an all singing all dancing you know if you learn enough you're going to have your birth swinging from the chandelier with fairy lights because that's not how birth always is um you know sometimes in birth things go wrong and i wanted a, a course where i knew that they yes they're learning all about free birth and all the lovely things about it but also where if this happens phone an ambulance if that happens, phone an ambulance. I didn't want to paint this idealistic picture that isn't the truth either. Um, sorry, I went off on a tangent there, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> I, didn't. I think I think it's I think it's a really important point, and I think your free birth course is a really really valuable resource because anybody who says that anyone who who does a course or or gives information on free birth is irresponsible is ignoring the fact that people will still choose free birth, and then they're making they're choosing free birth without the information and without the necessary information to to make sure that it's safe so yeah, I wish I wish I'd called it something else I don't know what I wish I'd called it which is why I've never changed the name it's not just about free birth it's about free birth it's about birth before arrival so birth where you wanted a midwife but one just didn't get there on time um and now it's also about preparing because as I, we said before we started the podcast, I am now hearing from women who are birthing alone in hospital, um, either in hospital and nobody came, or in hospital and they were wandering the corridors with the baby hanging out between their legs and they couldn't find anybody, or in hospital. And we need to remember when we're talking about nobody came, these women, their partners are barred from the hospital until they're in active labour. So if they're not being listened to telling people they're in active labour, their partners aren't even there. You have free birth at home, at least, or even birth before arrival at home. At least your partner's usually with you. Yeah. In hospital, I'm hearing about women phoning their partners crying 
and their partners can't get in and they can't because there are not enough midwives. So as far as I'm concerned, not learning about your options right now in this situation is, is more irresponsible than learning about something that you might never use. And you're never going to come away from it wishing you didn't know it, you know, but you are sometimes going to find yourself in a situation where you wish you did. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. why it's there. And it is, a you know, regardless of what rumours may fly around the internet, it is a very responsible course. It's got midwives in there, you know, um, they are charged more money to join. Birth workers pay more than birthing women and people because birth workers started using it as a course and if you're going to use my stuff as a course then I think you should pay for it right I think that's fair enough I didn't write it is a very good course for birth workers as well but it was predominantly written to meet a need of terrified people who were scared they were going to be birthing without a midwife and actually it's grown into a really lovely space it's a really lovely and building it the way I have gives you all the support of a group and all the knowledge of a of a course so you've got the whole course and then if you've got a question or you don't understand anything you just ask and everybody just piles in with all their knowledge and it's a beautiful sharing space for yeah. people yeah I think I think it is a really 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 important resource to have both of your both of your your groups are really really important resources to have um and I'll make sure that I link them in in the 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 um the description of the podcast so that people can access them to me like you said people who don't want to talk about free birth birth before arrival are utterly utterly irresponsible yeah those stories i'm talking about of women birthing on the wards alone they are rare you know it's not something that's happening all the time but it is happening you know women what i've noticed in through my home birth group because that is so big now what's gone up is ambulance birth has increased anecdotally because i can't i am got figures i read thousands of birth stories and i get a handle on what's going on ambulance birth is going up car park birth is going up birth before arrival is going up because people are hanging on at home planning to go in but the baby comes out because what you find is in birth that's not interfered with that happens more often you know, they get to a point and suddenly, oh, my goodness, and there's, there's a baby coming, you know, and then there's planned free birth is also good. They're all on the rise. And we have to prepare for those situations if we want people to be, you know, what I say, like precipitous labor, people who have really fast birth, you can come on my course. You might not want that fast birth. You might be hoping the midwife will get there, but at least it gives you a chance of taking charge of your birth. Instead of it being something to fear, it becomes something exciting. And then, yeah, if it doesn't happen, then it becomes, hooray, does it really matter that you spent £35 on something and you got, you know, you got the both of it then? But it can take away that layer of fear for people to, I could talk about this all day. So. I, think, I think it's really important to say that level of fear. I mean, as a hypnobirther, I, I, I know the effect of fear on, on birth um, and taking that fear away is really, really important. But I also think arming yourself of information in the events that you maybe give birth at home without any support is really important because if you call an ambulance and you're on you know you're on 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 the call to a 999 call handler I know for a fact some of the stuff that they will tell you to do are complete opposite of what you should be doing and if you don't realize that you know you could quite quickly go and get yourself a shoelace and tie the umbilical cord off and not oh, it's worse than that I read one today where they were telling the dad to hold the baby's head in so it doesn't come out too fast I've heard somebody else say that before they were told to hold the and lay it's down advice yeah lie down on your back don't you push out and then they'll baby the baby will hit the head on the floor yeah 
and all of these things and what the reason we're Erin and I are laughing and we are laughing and I'm shaking my head but the reason we're joking it's not a joke because all of these things are more likely to lead to a compromised baby okay so holding not pushing is more likely to lead to a baby you're, you're holding your own oxygen levels the baby's getting compromised on the inside the the advice being given out by some some of the 999 trusts not all of them is actually dangerous you know is actually harmful and that's that's the problem with what's going on you know the, the infection risk of a dirty shoelace just because you're handling a newborn baby with a you know what you can do pull it off your rugby boot like oh look there's a shoe if your baby's not breathing you've just you've just you've just closed off their source of oxygen because they're not getting oxygenated blood anymore because you've just tied off their cord like it just i don't understand why they say these things i don't know why they haven't changed the call handler scripts but that aside you know it really does pay to educate yourself um because yes ideally the people that are advising you are knowledgeable um but there's there's a vast amount of misinformation, both from, you know, family, friends and so on, but also within the healthcare system as well itself. So you really do need to arm yourself with information, I think. You do. And, you know, and the ripple in the pond effect, because if you're more informed and educated, you tell the people around you and they become more informed and educated. I think my group has touched the lives of hundreds of thousands of babies. And I know that people are listening to this thinking, oh, she's just bigging up. No, it's true. You know, if you think there's 10,000 members and if you think that most of those, because we are a very engaged group, are more informed. And as a birth group, 10,000 doesn't represent the number of people who've given birth in it because as a birth group people leave people come people leave people come Um, and all of those people say all of those people speak to one person and all of those people speak to another person and all of those people speak to another person and it is those positive birth stories and they're not all home birth stories there's lots of other stories in there but the, the vast majority of births in our group are positive wherever they happen and that ripple in the pond effect then just out and out and out and out and out everywhere you go out yeah. and out yeah and it touches so many people it's it's, it's an incredible i love my groups they're, they're like my my babies but they are an incredible resource and they make a massive difference to people's lives that's my parenting group does as well that's thanks to you i mean you you need to take ownership of that like that that is that is thanks to you and and the time and the effort that you put into you know keeping those groups going like you make you do make a, a massive massive difference and you know, I direct, I direct, I direct all of my clients to your to your groups, um, whether they whether they're planning to have a face a, a, a free birth or a or a home birth. I just think they're a really really good resource. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you know what you spend a thousand pounds on a pram, you spend whatever whatever whatever. Although I'm a very minimalist doula, so I kind of think you should buy a sling, have a boob, and some nappies, and then see how you feel when the baby comes and you need a car seat. You know, mm-hmm. everything else could wait. Um, but what is investing? A bit of money in a hypnobirthing course or and a free birth course. I've got a donate and subscribe link. It's not that well taken up, but it's there, you know. Um, and investing in your birth, however you do it, and sometimes that's time, right? Some people don't have any money to invest, but you can join my free Facebook group as a, as a birthing woman, birthing person, and you can invest your time into reading all of the information there, and you will still come away massively supported. People think of investment as money. But investment is much more. I invest my time into those groups. Yeah. And sometimes my money. <laughs> That's a different story. Um, but, you know, you can just invest time if you've got nothing else. Mm. You know, and, you you know, people can pay back. Somebody I just proposed that just before our blog. Somebody subscribes to my group 
two pounds a quarter because for me and that's I loved that when that came through on my email today I was like that person who obviously hasn't got very much has gone to the effort to make a subscription so she's opened up the thing she's opened up the donate link she subscribed for two pound because it means something and the recognition from that it's not about the money it's about the oh that that, that thanks if you like yeah. it's not huge but it meant so much those small things but you can invest a lot without investing anything other than yourself and I think I think it I think it's, it's so important so important you know we you think about how long we spend researching what mobile phone to get and then we wing it for the birth of our children it seems absurd you know you know erin supports people you support people sometimes by dm and stuff you know and we support people by the information we put out on social media um and we are entitled to be paid and also those people who pay us who pay me who pay erin who pay the other birth workers what they're doing and what you're doing so that all of you listening are you are supporting us to support those people who can't afford to pay who can only come into these free spaces and earn online because if we don't earn we can't do that i think this is one actually that one i think a lot of people don't realize i I mean i'm i'm sure you spend as much but probably uh, much more time than I do on on birth work but I I mean literally if I worked out how much I earned um a month and then divided it by how many hours a day I'm actually working um I'm well below minimum wage <laughs> I'm like pounds an hour probably not even that 50 yeah. it's not much Happy. yeah but, it, I, we, but we do it because we care and because it's important work um, you know, so. I think everybody thinks that we're raking it in, especially the more visible you become, the more the assumption becomes that you've got this like massive empire behind you. I'm just one person. I run the home birth group on my own for online bullying reasons. I'm very reluctant to put a second admin in. And also because I get held liable for what my admin do. So sometimes having more admin causes more work, if you like. Um, you know, and I'm not a massive empire. I'm just me. Literally, they said to me, is me yeah and the home birth group is me I do have other admin in the village but it's still mostly me if anything goes wrong it's me who gets it in the neck it's me who gets the abusive messages behind the scenes it's me who gets slagged off on social media it doesn't stop me the more people moan about me the more I get determined to carry on but you know it is just me and it is just you and we have both got very visible media presences but that doesn't mean we we are earning a fortune is it really I wish it was <laughs> I know yes but it would no, be nice yeah but it's you know we do it because we care and because it's important yeah. work you know it's important it is and, and it's fulfilling the, the thing I think the, the thing that I get from what I do is that I have I have a real genuine sense of making a difference now I used to, I used to work in Canary Wharf um, for a big, big, big corporate. And I had a very, very well-paid job and I hated it. I hated it. I just felt like I was just making money for some faceless fat cat at the top of the chain. And I, I hated it. And now I earn pittance compared to what I used to, but I have a real sense of fulfillment in my life because I know that not just the clients that I teach, but yes. also all of the people that read my posts and don't even message me and tell me, until like months later, I get the odd the odd message saying, I just wanted to say I've had just had my baby and all of your posts really, really helped. That to me makes everything worthwhile. That's what that's I'm happy, you know. 
much more than you know booking millions of clients and making loads of money knowing that you're making a difference and that's why I'm so in awe of you because you know like you said that ripple effect the amount of people that you're helping with your groups is mind-blowing so thank you and the amount of birth workers doulas and hypnobirthing teachers who who have done it because of me because of what not because of me, because of themselves, okay? But because of what they've seen in my groups, because they think that they've seen things can be different. I get messages quite regularly from new doulas or hypnobirth teachers or whoever, and they say, I have my baby in your group. Bear in mind, you know, I've been running groups like this for different groups, but for nearly eight years. And now I've trained or I want to train or I'm going to train because it made such a difference to me, you know, and they then go on to make a massive difference as well. It's a huge, it's had a huge impact. And, you know, what you said, you want to make a difference. That's me. That's why I say to my children, I want to be a tree when I'm dead. I haven't decided if I want to be buried as a tree yet or I want to be cremated and scattered. But I say to them, I want a little plaque and I want it to say, there leads Sam, she made made a difference. And that's it. You know, I've had quite a a lot of trauma in my life. I came from, from a background of domestic violence and various other things. And I've always felt that you can take those things and become bitter or you can take those things and decide to use them. So I'm not a person who believes that everything happens for a reason. That makes me want to punch people, to be honest. But I like to think that I've given reason to everything that's happened. And I use all of my life's experiences to help the people that I support, paid and unpaid. And that makes that means the world to me much yeah. more than, than, yeah, don't get me wrong, I need to win the money's nice. But it, helping people is my biggest goal. And in birth work, you know, what better start is there than a positive birth and by positive you know we don't mean all singing all dancing all the time but you know what better start to life is there Mm. than than knowing that you were birthed in a way in love and in kindness and in gentleness however you know and that can be cesarean birth even I've seen a beautiful forceps delivery I was actually in in theater with a forceps delivery and it it was lovely. It was really kind and respectful and everybody was excited and they were taking photos for it. It was beautiful. Every kind of birth can be beautiful. Yeah. It's it's how it's, it's how in control and how empowered you feel experience. It's whether you think it was necessary. That's the thing. If somebody explains something to you properly and you feel that you needed, it needed to happen and you actually genuinely believe that then it's empowering. It's not disempowering to have medical help. Yeah. You know, hopefully we'll have those home births and free births that people want. But that doesn't mean that other births are less than. Yeah. And there is this impression that people try to give of people like me and you and others that, you know, we're there, you know, telling everyone to free birth. I read about myself today, like rubbish, to be honest, you know, because not everybody can free birth. I've supported people in wheelchairs. I've supported people whose only birth choice was a general anaesthetic cesarean you know and I've found ways to make that better I'm not going to give all of my tips away but every birth can be made to be more positive yeah no totally and the the the, the birth story birth stories on this podcast you know show that that there are a multitude of different births from you know planned home births that transferred and ended up in an unplanned c-section one of my clients gave birth in the car park in Lewisham you know you would think that's really traumatic and it wasn't yeah. it was really positive it, it genuinely you can have all sorts of different types of birth and still be really positive but it's the yeah. educating yourself and planning and prep that makes yeah. that birth positive and it makes pregnancy so exciting right 
when you're when you're there and you're like you're reading all the birth stories and you're doing your prep whether it's hypnobirth and antenatal whatever and you're there and you're excited to have this baby instead of approaching it with fear it makes such a difference to that nine months or eight months usually by the time people know you know it, it preparing for for a positive birth and you know preparing for a home birth is so vital to, to enjoyment yeah. really i wish that so many people wouldn't just want it outright at the beginning because they just think that it's really risky. it's it's what it's one of the reasons people probably think that oh, my my views on home birth are very skewed because i bang on about home birth so much on my instagram and my, and my social media but it's because it's so misunderstood that I feel the need to voice it more and advocate it as an option because people do discount it outright without even considering it as an option. Um, We're seen as freaks, yeah? So one of the reasons I decided to only post in my home birth group is because I don't get bullied as much online by running a home birth group when I was trying to post and um, when I do try and post in mainstream groups where people don't home birth I just get hammered over the head by people who don't want to know that they've got choices I'd rather dedicate my my resource and my time to people who actually want to listen I'm not in don't take this the wrong way listeners but I'm not interested in people who don't want to listen I'm not here trying to like my favorite words at the moment mind melds people into complying with me I want to support those who want to be supported mm -hmm. and and to be honest home birthing women want support so that's who I'm working with, really. So if people want to join your groups, how do they find, how do they find you? Um, so on Facebook, we have the Home Birth Support Group UK, which is free to anybody giving birth and their partners. So I've got people's mothers in there, people's partners, husbands, whatever gender. Um, and it's paid to birth workers now because of the same thing as the free birth group. People are beginning to use it to learn. Um, so Home Birth Support Group UK on Facebook and then the Free Birth and Emergency Childbirth Support Group UK as well on Facebook, um, I'm on Instagram. To be honest, if you Google Samantha Gook at Gadsden Doula, you'll just point to me everywhere. Um, and then, yeah, so those are the two main ones. And then my parenting and life support group, which we call positive parenting. Um, I coined the term myself before it became a term. Um, so it's very much sort of baby wearing, breastfeeding, co-sleeping, but we do have all sorts of parenting styles. The important thing in our group is that everybody's choices are respected. So it's a kind of, we don't have arguments in our group. Um, and I delete them if they happen. So um, just because so that's the two in the village. If people want support for their journey and feel a bit left of centre or sort of like they don't fit into the normal parenting groups, we're there for that, too. And in there we do a lot of um, a lot of stuff, some heavy stuff, some you know, domestic violence support and we've had addiction support. I put mental health and, you know, that's what people don't realise about the importance of groups at the moment. We've had to put mental health first aiders in to the village because we've had some you know some really sticky situations and people needed support because these online groups are all people have had for a long time and then they make a difference you can find me in all of those as well you can find me anywhere but yeah. come and join my groups you, you'll like my groups my groups are amazing and they are really good birth worker resources people say you know why should i pay for a facebook group and I'm like well when you get in you'll understand well, you know and if you really don't like it you can have your money back you're Sorry? paying for the knowledge you're not paying to access a facebook group you're paying to access the knowledge that's... i think it's got 73 group guides the home birth group everything from postpartum hemorrhage through to free birth through to gestational diabetes large families change pathways um, positive induction they're all in there i just categorize everything and you know and that takes time too so full-time job <laughs> it is my full-time job now um and then other birth work is my other full-time job 
thank you so much for your time today Sam I really really appreciate it um and I really you know everybody comes and joins your your groups um and and benefits from the wealth of knowledge that's in them um and um yeah I've really enjoyed chatting to you thank you thank you for having me it's been lovely like-minded souls The Better Birth podcast and all of its content is for educational and informational purposes only. You should consult your midwife or your doctor for anything in relation to your own pregnancy and birth. The opinions and the views of the guests on the Better Birth podcast are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Better Birth or Erin Fung.